To support our work at the Izzy and Murtada Picture Show and the work of other independent creators like us, sign up to listen to the podcast on Nebula. Nebula is the creator-owned streaming platform that hosts great videos and podcasts like the one you're listening to now. Sign up today at nebula.tv slash picture show and you will get access to this podcast plus other great podcasts and videos. Sign up for Nebula and help support independent media creators. That's nebula.tv slash picture show. Hi, I'm Murtada. And I'm Izzy. And this is an Izzy and Murtada picture show. And today, we're going to be talking about You Hurt My Feelings, Nicole Holofcener's latest, distributed by A24, starring the wonderful Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Um, this film tells the story of um, a, a novelist's longstanding marriage which is suddenly upended when she overhears her husband give his honest reaction to her latest book, Murtada. You saw this at Sundance, correct? Yes, I did. I was at the premiere um, of this movie at Sundance. Wow. Yeah. Very important person here in this podcast, in case you didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> what, was, what was the the mood in the room at well, Sundance? I- the mood was was really good. Uh, people really, you know, I personally was looking forward to this because Enough Said is a movie that I really love. And this is the first and previous collaboration between Hall of Center and Louis Dreyfus. And so I was really expecting this. And so were a lot of other people. So it was like a packed full screening in the Eccles, which is the biggest theater. And people really received the mood well. Um I didn't stay for the Q&A because I had to run for another movie, but I heard later that there was a question of the Q&A. Somebody basically called them old, um, Julie Louis-Dreyfus and um, Tobias Menzies, who plays her husband. Um, And basically then the Q&A devolved into them making jokes about how old they are and how young this person is and whatever. So it was like, I'm assuming it was like a fun Q&A, but the mood was very receptive to it. Like when Nicole came to introduce the film, you know, she got like a lot of applause and all of that. People were excited for this. Yeah. You know, I didn't actually like realize what an age gap on that marriage we have. Oh really? Is but in like much? a kind of like a hot way. <laughs> uh, how how? Um, yeah, he's he is forty nine and she's sixty two. Oh, I didn't. I would not have thought he was more than ten years younger than her at all. Me like either. He, yeah. Wow. Well, the age gap discourse people have not. Yeah, you have this up one. on that one. <laughs> I think it's just because Julia. Get on would- it. <laughs> It's because Julia Louis-Dreyfus looks so good. Like, she looks yeah. great. <laughs> Truly. Um, so I think one thing that I was thinking about with this movie is if, you know, you're in L.A. this week. Mm-hmm. I'm in New York in a very smoked-filled New York. Literally, I'm looking out the window as we're recording this on Wednesday, June 7th, which is the day that will remain in infamy. It's the day that New York turned red from the Canadian wildfires. Um, I'm kind of a little bit scared, but mm-hmm. the reason I bring this up is because Nicole Hall of Center's movies are always either set in New York and LA. And 
um literally every movie she'll have her la movie then she'll have a new york movie except for that movie she did in um with for netflix a few years ago called the land of steady habits and i think that was set in some suburban place which i think was suburban connecticut kind of counts as new york but not really same thing yeah <laughs> yeah but that's probably why it's the weakest of her movies so um do you i want to ask you first do you prefer her la movies or her new york movies like you know la movies are enough said friends with mm -hmm. money new york movies are please give you hurt my feelings you know do you have a preference on those you know i don't really think i have a preference because i feel like more so than a location she's kind of satirizing a type of person that lives in both of these cities mm -hmm. like to me there wasn't anything in um you hurt my feelings that couldn't have happened in LA yes basically you know I mean I guess more often New York is characterized as a literary place um in terms mm -hmm. of like the type of people who live there Mm -hmm. but I mean yeah very easily could have been located in Los Angeles um so mm -hmm. to me it's just kind of like I think she's cutting across a kind of milieu that uh of coastal elites mm -hmm. that can kind of transcend those locations yeah you know what this is a very good point you bring up I never actually thought of it that way but it is true most of her, all of her characters could live in either city and nothing much will change. It is about the characters, not the city. Although she is, um, she says that she is a New Yorker. Um, I just by happenstance um, do prefer her in LA for some reason. My two mm -hmm. favorite movies of hers are Enough Said and Friends With Money. And they both happen to be set in LA. And so just mm -hmm. by the fact that I like those movies. Um, and the other thing you said that I really love is that you said that New York is more literary. And if you think about um, about Julie Louis-Dreyfus' character's jobs, in this, You Hurt My Feelings, she's a writer. And the movie yeah. set in New, York, in New York. In Enough Set, she was a masseuse. And that movie is set in L.A. So, yeah. so she nailed the sort of like job thing with the, with the character, definitely. Totally. I, it is strange how you don't see a lot of, I guess, modern movies about writers who live in L.A. You see a lot of like, tv writers but you don't that it's very ca rarely characterized as like i'm writing a novel and i live in la <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know? they're always in new york if they're writing a novel for the most yeah. part yeah yeah um so izzy um shall we do our bit about the headline i have a headline i can start this time i have a headline okay, you, yeah you go my headline is going to be very controversial so my headline review for nicole hall of center's you hurt my feelings is Nicole Holofsen re-teams with Julia Louis-Dreyfus to diminishing returns. Oh, I don't think that's controversial because <laughs> I feel like that's very similar to how I felt, to be honest. Oh, really? Oh, cool. I Because I prefer Enough Said mm -hmm. to this. Um, but I, I don't think it's like, I don't know. I think diminishing returns kinds of, kind of makes it sounds like it's actually bad instead of just <laughs> not as good as enough said so maybe mm. i would tweak it just a little bit um but you know maybe i, I would say like nicole holoff center reteams with julia louis dreyfus who is still the best thing <laughs> about the movie that she's in 
Okay, I like I like your head. <laughs> so Julia Louis Dreyfus is definitely the best thing about the film. But I'm yeah. going to stick with my diminishing returns because yeah, I think I think it's controversial because this movie has received, for the most part, warm reviews from my fellow critics. But yeah. I was very let down by it, and I think I was let down by it because expectations, my expectations for it were really high because Enough Said is so um, wonderful. Um, and I'll get into why I think the diminishing re- there's a lot of diminishing returns in this movie. But um, why don't you tell us first what you thought of it? Um, it was very small, like very small scale mm-hmm. in a way that I typically find very charming. Um, mm-hmm. So I was uh, I really enjoyed that it kind of just knew exactly what it wanted to say and kind of demonstrated that in the pros and cons of that thesis Mm -hmm. in different ways throughout the film so it's very much like yeah sometimes it really sucks that we have to lie to people that we love but at the same time that is a good way to kind of keep the peace and demonstrate that you actually care about someone yeah so there's that irony to it um and I think it's a pretty I don't know, obvious thing. So I was sort of like, I was enjoying it, but I wasn't really blown away by it. Mm -hmm. I thought it was very charming, very funny. I love that sense of humor of just kind of, uh, kind of curb your enthusiasm type social miscues and misunderstandings that kind of lead people off in strange, awkward directions. Yeah. So definitely up my alley for the sense of humor. I love Jeannie Berlin so much. Um, and, you know, just how like parents always for- forget what things are called and stuff like that. Yeah. Jeannie um, Berlin plays Julia's uh, mother. Yes. So, yeah, I mean, I I enjoyed it, but it wasn't something that I felt myself compelled to seek out more about or that I would want to really revisit in any specific way. So, yeah, I, I, I had a good time, but I... Um, felt like it I wanted more of like an escalation I guess which isn't really Nicole Holof Center's deal yeah but um yeah I don't know it just felt very like monotone Mm. if that makes sense yeah it makes sense and I agree with you one of the things you said was that it was small and I do agree that this movie is feels much smaller than her other movies I think she has like the high concept idea. So the high concept idea of this movie is the innocent white lies that people in relationships tell to each other so that the relationship can survive. You tell Mm -hmm. your husband, oh, you're really good at acting because he's an actor, but maybe you do know that he's not a good actor Um, or you're a good writer when he's not a good writer. Um, Things like that. And what I didn't like about this movie is that it had this high concept idea, but that was all what this movie was about. It was the one idea and there was different relationships that all had to deal with this. There was Julia Louis-Dreyfus and Tobias Menzies was the main relationship. They also had a son. So Julia will also, so the husband here lied about his wife's writing. There, the son, Julia, lied to her son about something, innocent lie, or she was pushing him to be better. Her sister, who's married to an actor, lies to her actor, played by Ariane Moyad, our faith from Succession. Um, about him being a good actor when he's sometimes really bad. So it was this one idea repeated in several relationships. 
But when you think of Enough Said, which is the previous movie with Julie Louis-Dreyfus, that also had its high concept idea. And in that case, and in that case, the high concept idea was, what if you fall in love with someone and then see them through somebody else's eyes? And in that mm-hmm. case, that was the high concept idea of like, she befriends his ex who completely hates him. And so she starts seeing him through this woman's eyes. But that sort of triangle was the main relationship in the movie, but the movie had so much more. You, you know, there was the main relationship between the three people played by Julia Louis-Dreyfus, James Gandolfini, and Catherine Keener, but there was also the relationship between Julia Louis-Dreyfus and her daughter. There was the relationship between her and her daughter's friend played by Kathy Gevinson, which was kind of a strange thing when a mother sort of befriends her daughter's friend and they become closer than the mother and daughter and the jealousy. And that was something completely different um, and a very deep and wonderful relationship. There was also James Gandolfini's character and his daughter. It was a completely different relationship. And then Julia's character's relationship with her ex-husband. So the movie had so many other relationships beside the sort of like high concept main relationship friction and that's why I, and most of Nicole Hill of Center's movies are like that. There is always so much tension between the different characters for different reasons. When you think about Friends with Money, there was this group of four women friends, and there were all the different rela- interrelationships between the four of them, but also with their husbands and other things. And it was so rich and full and gives you sort of like a tapestry of a moment in life for all of its characters. But I just felt with you hurt my feelings. It was just that one idea. And then here we are for almost two hours just in this thing. And it is a good idea. Yeah. And, and you know, Julia Louis-Dreyfus definitely plays it to the hilt. And it's it's funny at moments. But yeah, it was just like, is that all there is, sir? Or madam in this case? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I definitely felt that. I mean, I think one of the... I think I also kind of have to be in the mood for her movies because mm-hmm. so often they're kind of satirizing a very wealthy class of individuals who have no sense of their own solipsism or like narcissism. Mm-hmm. And if you aren't in the mood to kind of engage with that kind of person or see the humor in that, it can feel annoying. Yes. You know? Because you're just like, oh my God, these people need to get over themselves. <laughs> yeah. And so you just kind of, I think there were moments in the in the thing like that where these moments of narcissism that are supposed to kind of reveal who these people really are were also just more annoying to me than, <laughs> than I think endearing, I guess. Yeah, uh, I hear you. And this is why her movie Like at the of- church and stuff. Tell me about the church. What happened in the church? When they were like so, volunteering? Um, yeah, they like she and her sister volunteer for the to give clothes to unhoused folks, but they can only come and take one item at a time. Yeah. And um, her mother gives her a shirt that she doesn't want at first but then she asks them actually I do want it can you get it for me and when someone at who comes to receive charity like picks out the shirt and then they try and steer the woman away from picking that shirt so that they can (laughs) return it to the mother and I'm like I know 
like 80% of people would make that choice probably or something uh-huh, like some yeah. high percentage of people would make that choice but I was kind of like I do feel like we should just let this woman have the shirt <laughs> <laughs> yes oh uh, you know I do feel that her movies sometimes feel French to me in that most French comedies are about middle, <laughs> middle class problems right like people yeah. who are way above worrying about the necessities of life and are just about worrying about these little things these little annoyances in their lives right and you kind of accept it from the French and for the most part I did I do accept it from Nicole Hall of Center too but somehow in this movie you're right it just felt that these people were so like just into their feelings and not into anything more than that and and even the relationships between them didn't feel as lived in, as real, as they usually feel in a Nicole Hort of Center film. And I kind of blame that because we know Julia Louis-Dreyfus played this, worked with this Hall of Center before to great success in an offset. So maybe we should lay the blame on Tobias Menzies, who plays the husband, who's also a psychiatrist or a psychologist. And we do see him sort of interacting with a few char- um, characters playing his um, his patients. And I don't know, I just didn't think and his main issue, besides lie, the white lies that he tells his wife about her writing being good when he kind of has an idea of it being not that good, is that maybe he's not a very good psychiatrist, but also he is worried about aging. And so his main subplot is that he wants to get Botox. And I'm just like, what is this? Uh, these are all sort of like just things that you can't relate to that much. And maybe, I don't know, 50-year-old men are are thinking about getting Botox. I don't know. Probably <laughs> a very small percentage of the population. Um, but still, I just think I didn't... Um, I didn't relate to him very much. And I just didn't think he was that funny. Um, and so I didn't believe the relationship. He was believable as sort of like someone who would have a low opinion of their wife. But then when the film called upon them and upon him to sort of tell us that this marriage is going to survive. I just didn't believe it. So, you know, mm-hmm. um, it's not great to blame the actor when he didn't write or direct the film, but but I think he was the maybe weak link. I, I didn't really have a believability problem with him. Um, I did... I actually kind of enjoyed their marriage a little bit because I think I think the way that she wrote it was pretty realistic and sweet for Mm -hmm. for a marriage that's going quite well you know it's like a fight can boil up but it's never going to boil over and they they kind of had you know a moment where she's going to sleep on the couch or they're going to have to leave at dinner because they just need to get out these feelings at each other but it was never something that was going to threaten the longevity of their marriage. Um, Mm. And I felt like the way that they went about kind of solving that was really sweet and charming with the, them kind of admitting these series of white lies that they tell each other Mm -hmm. that uh, have (laughs) just kept their marriage in a, in a peaceful state. Um, One thing that I thought was interesting about him though I'm kind of curious about how Nicole Holof Center views psychiatry and like psychology, because it, it sort of seemed like, I don't know if I was reading this correctly, but it seemed like he felt that his role 
as a counselor, a marriage counselor or a psychologist was to sort of gently guide people toward the right solution, right? So like mm-hmm. we, you need to ask the right questions so that they eventually come to the right conclusion themselves and are solving their own problems. It's not someone just like giving them advice. Yeah. But like throughout the course of his quote unquote battle with his wife, he comes to realize that he needs to be more honest. And then he just sort of comes to them with a very clean solution at the end of their sessions. And it's like, yeah, you should just get a divorce. You guys hate each other or like, (laughs) yeah, yeah, yeah. you guys like, or you need to actually help your siblings in this conflict that you're having with your dad or whatever. Yeah. Um, So I'm kind of like curious as to whether that is ethically okay for, for, um, a psychologist or if there are psychologists who have like felt that way where they need to kind of just come out and say something yeah that is just more direct rather than you know just doing the quote-unquote like trained practice of psychology you know yeah. I thought that was really interesting like I want to hear her more talk more about that and like how um, directness applies to that yeah, maybe maybe she's somebody who's fr- frustrated with their um, therapist. You know, as somebody yeah. <laughs> who's, who's been in therapy for a very long time, they never tell you anything. You have to do all the work and they yeah. just push you, which is, you know, what you were saying. So maybe yeah. this is part of her frustration with her therapist and she took it out on this character. Um, yeah, but can you imagine? I'm sure therapists feel like this all the time where they're just like, I could tell you literally one thing you could do to change your life and I shouldn't do it (laughs) yeah you know that's crazy I mean I found this quote um from from her and the quote is quote the stories that I want to tell are completely well somewhat autobiographical it's completely based on my own self-absorption issues and problems unquote so not only in this movie if that's true that she tell us sort of her ideas about therapists but she also might be sharing a little more of her relationship slash marriage. I mean, I know nothing about her personal life. I don't, I assume she's been in a relationship for t- for a time of her life. And that's why she wrote this film or wrote many of her movies, in fact. Yeah. Um, so what is she telling us about relationships? Because I think this film sort of tells us like, yes, we have all these little annoyances and frustrations with our spouses because or whoever you are in a relationship with because you can't actually entirely be honest because if you are entirely honest all the time you'll just end up in a lot of like friction all the time which nobody wants to live in but that seems like such a basic idea and I just feel like usually um in her movies she tells us a lot more things about a relationship than just one idea so yeah I think it's I think it's probably in her mind much bigger of a conflict for creative people mm. because you know like we're not all best friends with Martin Scorsese we're not best friends or like married to Meryl Streep you know what I mean like we can't yeah. we physically can't turn to the person that we know and respect and love and be like that was the greatest thing I've ever seen because like it's most of the yeah. time not true you know what I mean and it's hard to like everybody, no matter what you're watching, no matter what you're reading, you're going to have some minor criticism with it. And it's really hard to uh, 
I guess, balance, make, do that balancing act of being like, Mm -hmm. I respect you and love you more than I have gripes with this work. So it's just easier to just keep you happy. (laughs) I just think that's a very unique problem for creative people. Cause like, if you're just, if you're, you know, you don't like, you don't like your wife's roast beef or something like that. Like (laughs) that's pretty easy to get over, I think. Yeah. You know? Yes. Um, Yeah. That's, I guess that is a fair point. So maybe that's the bigger point. And, you know, there's the point of the white lies. I mean, the therapy thing, to go back to that, I think therapists don't tell you, don't tell their patients white lies if they are, you know, good therapists, but they just don't tell them the truth. Um, But they're not supposed to give you any opinion whatsoever. So I also just think that that, that she shoehorned that therapy um, thing just for some vendetta against the therapist. (laughs) Instead of an actual <laughs> sort of idea that helps this, you know, the macro idea in this film. Um, anyway, yeah, that's my totally. soapbox because maybe I didn't like this movie um, that much. I have, you know, um, we both kind of um, read um, Richard Brody at The New Yorker. And he had an interesting tweet, which I thought I'd share with you. And then maybe we can talk oh, about yeah, You know, I love his Twitter account. Yes, he's uh, he's really good at Twitter. So he says... Um, quote, um, you hurt my feelings, keenly views the social culture of white lies, spouse to spouse, parent to children, teacher to student, therapist to patient. But the protagonist doesn't exist. A writer with no relation to writing, reading, art, with no practice of it. The empty opposite of showing up, end quote. So he kind of didn't believe. Okay. (laughs) Okay, Richard. (laughs) Right? He's coming coming for Hall of Center. So he didn't believe the... um, basically that the Julia Louis-Dreyfus character was a writer. And basically she's she's a writing teacher, the way she's presented. She's a writing teacher at, I think, Columbia, is it Columbia or NYU anyway, one New York university. And she wrote this memoir that didn't sell that well. And now she wrote another memoir, I think, um, which is the, the manuscript. A novel, yeah. yeah. And, a novel, which is the manuscript that her husband thinks is not that good. So did you... Um, believe her as a writer no I mean now that he made that point I agree with that point to be honest (laughs) because I know people who literally have that job and like write memoirs and like are exactly that character Mm -hmm. and I know the way that they speak and um the kind of references they make and yeah I, I don't know she does this is I think probably speaks to why I felt like her character could have lived in LA or like really anywhere because Mm -hmm. it's not like she was she didn't feel like she was written as a writing professor or someone who necessarily cares about like for example the way that she's sort of um she is very ready to ignore like design decisions or like she kind of rolls her eyes at the at like an expensive bench (laughs) yeah which I think is so true of writers to be honest but it's also like there was kind of like an incuriosity to her about like things the the acting that her friend that her sister's husband does or like the design that she does or like all these kinds of things that I I imagine very curious people are very Mm -hmm. interested in and that's usually what writers are so I don't know yeah, I agree with you. And I also agree with Richard Brody in that maybe her writing wasn't very specific. Like she just wrote a memoir. And the one thing I remember about this memoir that she wrote is that the joke where she talks to Ginny Berlin as her mother and says, 
that her dad was difficult, but he wasn't abusive. And maybe if he was real, if he really abused her, the book would have sold yeah. more. And so it's like a, <laughs> yeah. jo- it's a funny joke, but also it's that. Yeah. So then, what is your book about? Like, and that's the only sort of specificity that this memoir gets. And so I agree with him, especially when he brings up showing up in that in that movie. Um, we got what those characters do. We got their work. We got their environment, where they work, where they live, their interrelationships. We got a, we got everything. Um, and I don't know that we got a lot out of these characters in You Hurt My Feelings. There was one moment that I really, really liked that I felt kind of tied a few things together. So there's a moment where she's looking through her manuscript and mm-hmm. she's insulting herself. And she uses a very specific insult to describe her own writing because she's not happy with it. And then I don't remember what it is, but later when her agent is talking to her about her book and she talks about, he mentions that her father had used that same insult to talk to her Mm. when she was younger. And so it's sort of like you see her having absorbed that insult and like taking it to heart and really believing it about herself and applying it to her current work. Yeah. Which I thought was very like that was most illustrative to me of who this woman is and the psychology that was informing her. Yes. Um yeah. and I kind of wanted more of that. Like I wanted to know more about her personally as like a human being rather than someone who I don't know has that very simple directive from the script which is to just like tell little lies to yes. people she loves yeah you know yeah she she's definitely a strange character for Nicole Hall of Center I, I think Julia Louis-Dreyfus does a great job of making her believable but I think the script doesn't make her believable like there is a lot of things like I didn't also believe her relationship with her son like she had all these judgments about where he worked in a weed store and she had all these judgments about that and those scenes in the weed store when they get like somebody tries to rob them it just felt like what are you doing are we like living in eric's adams fantasy of new york where stores get robbed or what's going on the physical comedy she does in that scene is incredible where she's like crawling all it's like she's paused over her son yeah like i'll take the bullet she's like crawling over him and contorting all over his body and it's so funny I mean, Julia Louis-Dreyfus is a genius at physical comedy. Like, we've seen her for decades now do it, you know, from the famous Elaine dance to all the things she did in Veep. Um, Yeah, she's she's a genius at doing these things. Um, And she proves it here, too. Um, And I'm kind of happy that she she doesn't have a TV show now, and maybe we will get... And that she's getting these leads um, in movies, and maybe we'll get to see more of her movie career. She has a podcast. Everybody has a podcast. Did you know that? Re- no, I didn't. Really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she does. I think her first episode was with Jane Fonda. Oh, wow. Now I need to go Jane find Fonda, that. Because Jane Fonda, like, inspired her. Oh, okay. Wow, okay. Well, well, I need to listen to the podcast then. Um, one other thing I wanted to bring up is that this movie is... You know, Nicole Hall of Center movies are always really well cast. And despite what I said about Tobias Menzies, there is like a lot of fantastic actors um, in this film. Jeannie Berlin, we mentioned, plays um, the mother. Michaela Watkins is Julia's sister. Ariane Moyed is her husband, who's not a very good actor. 
But I really, really loved two actors who played the role of the couple in marriage counseling with Tobias Menzies' character. And they're played by David Cross and Amber Tamblyn, who are actually a real life couple. And to play this yeah. sort of like warring couple who just hate each other and they come to therapy and just come at each other. I thought they were very funny. I thought they were very believable. Um, mm. as, first as a couple and then very specific, like that marriage felt very specific of all the little passive aggressive things that they hated about each other. And I thought they performed it really well. And to me, they were like, you know, yes, I know Julia's great, but they were kind of the comic highlight of the film. Yeah. And and credit to um, the script as well. I mean, I think it's so true that the minute you tell people like, oh, you should get a divorce, they'd be like, no, we shouldn't. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. yeah. Like they would suddenly feel the impulse to defend each other. And I think that's so funny and strikes me as so true. Yeah. I mean, like, who are you to, to know more about our marriage? Fuck yeah, you. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They finally found a common enemy instead of being each other's enemies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I loved um, it. But yeah, they were fantastic. I really liked them a lot too. Yes. And I wanted more of Jeannie Berlin um, as the mom who's kind of mm-hmm. um, And very what's particular. his name? Owen Teague? Is his name Owen Teague? He yes. was in, um, I think the first time I saw him was in um, To Leslie. Oh, was he? He's Julia's son here. Was he Andrea Riseborough's son there? Yeah. Oh, I guess he was in It as well. Yeah, he is really, I've seen him in a lot of movies um in the last year or so so he's someone mm-hmm. who's really breaking out at this um Sundance he was in Eileen with Anne Hathaway too so oh, he has okay two movies this year and Anne he was into Leslie last year so he is you know kind of breaking out but yeah I mean I liked him in to Leslie as well so yeah I'm excited to see what he does he seems very like he has a lot of potential and stuff so that's cool oh he was the bully in it okay i think anyways um you know what i thought though about that storyline i thought what was gonna happen was that he was because he's a writer so the guy they julie louis drives character constantly harasses her son saying Mm -hmm. like i know you wrote a play i want to read your play show me your play and he keeps saying i'm not done with it i'm not done with it i'm not done with it cool so then we get the father or uh saying oh i lied that i liked your writing and i actually didn't and she gets very mad so i thought what was going to happen was that she was going to read the play and think it's bad Mm. and then have to then essentially do the exact same that thing that her husband did and like lie about it to make her her son feel better Mm. And then she would sort of come around logically to believing that the white lie is fine. Mm. But that wasn't what happened. But that's what I thought was going to happen. Yeah. Apparently his play was good. So yeah, it didn't happen that way. So maybe we can give credit to Nicole Hall of Center for maybe not making it schematic. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, if if a writer sort of doesn't give us what we expect, then maybe they did a good job. Like, I think. Yeah, so, that's anyway. how I, I was glad that it kind of didn't go that way. Because then I was like, oh, that's just a sitcom episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. And I think the, the other friction between the son and the mother, which was a little bit more believable, was that, you know, she had a lot of expectations out of him and he sort of felt like he couldn't um, disappoint her, which is why he never, he didn't let her read his his play for a long time um 
Yeah. So I think on, you heard my feelings were kind of mixed. Maybe you liked it a little bit more than me. Um, but I want to ask yeah. you, um, what's your favorite Nicole Holofcener film? And what do you think of her sort of like as, um, as a filmmaker? I like her a lot because I do like, I generally really like these really small microscopic looks at people's lives. And mm -hmm. I mean, not to like rat myself out, but I guess, you know, I feel like I probably relate to these movies more than, <laughs> I don't know, most that come out just because, you know, we're all kind of in this New York, like bubble of creative and slightly annoying people <laughs> yeah yeah totally I agree we all are yeah absolutely um but I would say my favorite of hers is friends with money mm -hmm. and then enough said and then walking and talking mm. and I don't think I've seen land of steady habits that's the, the the worst one, um, I think, which is the, okay. <laughs> uh, the, on, the only one about a man. So it fits that it's the worst one. <laughs> um, you know, yeah, no shade, you go. no shade to Ben Mendelsohn, who's a he's a really good actor, but that's not a very good movie. Um, I kind of also like my yeah. top two are the same, but I would put Enough Said as my just absolute favorite. That movie, when I first saw it, I cried mm -hmm. and then I watched watched it several times I think everybody in it is doing like genius level work from the writing yeah. and directing to Julia to Gandolfini to Catherine Keener it's just so wonderful and it's small but about small things about these relationships mother daughter you know friend lover all these things but all of them sort of feel seismic and just a little thing could go left or right and will change these characters whole lives and in that way, it sort of reminded me of, you know, or it came out. So many, maybe it you can think of it um, or program it maybe together with past lives, which, um, yeah. which which I don't think you can program past lives because you hurt my feelings because you hurt my feelings will just <laughs> appear to be really not that good in comparison. Yeah. But, I also really like um, Please Give. That oh, yeah. It's really, really good. That would probably actually be my number three. Yes. And Please Give is one of those movies where the characters are kind of awful and they're all neurotic, yeah. um, really neurotic. And they're all kind of all the things that they do to each other are kind of not that great. But mm -hmm. you sort of understand and get all of them. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it's more of a it's more of a condemnation of those type of people that you hurt my feelings is. Yes. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, so. Nicole Holofcener made five movies with Catherine Keener, but she hasn't actually made, she, Catherine Keener hasn't appeared in her last two movies. Um, Enough Said was the last one. And that was sort of a passing of the torch in, in way because the lead was Julie Louis-Dreyfus where Catherine Keener had the smaller part. Um, I don't know if that's true, but you can, you can, we can say that. So my question to you, Julie or Catherine? Oh, I mean, I'm always going to be Team Julia, but that's really informed by like less that body of work than me being obsessed with Veep. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think that like overall, the Holof Center Keener collaboration is more fruitful. Yes. Yeah. But as like an actor, I prefer 
um, Louis Dreyfus better. Yeah, I think I agree with you. Um, but, you know, I would like her to work with Catherine Keener um, one more time mm -hmm. and maybe put them put them together again, both Julia and Catherine um, together again. Um, one thing that I think is interesting. So, well, stay with me here. We might lose some folks. <laughs> but um, uh, Nicole Holoff Center's mother was... I think the production designer for a lot of Woody Allen's movies. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. And I do feel like she has sort of, I don't want to say picked up where he left off, but there's some, I feel like there's like a similar texture to their films and like the behavior of their characters, if that makes sense. Yes. Not in the like gross ways that Woody Allen can write some of his characters like especially ones that he plays himself or or but, younger women <laughs> yeah but like I think there's there's sort of this like upper middle class anxious New York um, like very family focused or like uh yeah these relationships between people that um feel similar or like they kind of come out of the same vein somehow yeah. Yeah, and I, I agree with that. Um, and what I will add to this and maybe the sort of um, systemic misogyny of the industry did not allow her to be as big as um, as Woody Allen because I think her movies are yeah. strong. Like, you know, I am not somebody who will just dismiss Woody Allen movies. I still love um, Manhattan. I still love Annie Hall. I still love Blue Jasmine. So I think her movies are as strong as those movies. Um, and some of them are definitely stronger than a lot of his output. But even, yeah. you know, like, but she never reached that sort of revered status or thought of as an auteur, as a filmmaker mm -hmm. who's very specific about, you know, a certain milieu in in creative um, American life or whatever, which is what, and, you know, um, Woody Allen is more like a New York. He, most of his characters yeah. are, are in New York, and she is New York and LA, but to your point at the earlier of our conversation that it's kind of the same sort of like milieu of characters. Um, yeah. So I think- And he, that, he kind of does that too. I think he's more like formally experimental than she is, mm -hmm. which is interesting. Like, I wonder if there's a way that she could be pushed like out of that comfort zone because most of her films like look very similar, you know? Yeah. There is no particular sort of look to her to her films that is they're all they all look good. It's not like they're incompetent yeah. or anything. But there is no she doesn't have sort of a um a particular visual language. It's her is more about the writing about giving the actors the space to inhabit the characters. Yeah. Um, and that goes a long way. Like that's not an easy thing. It's not like everybody can do it. All all movies would have been good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So many of them are not. So we should give her credit for that. But yes, I agree visually she maybe maybe needs to um do a little bit more, but who knows? Do or you don't stick with what works, you know? <laughs> yes, totally. So let us know what you think of You Hurt My Feelings. What do you think of Nicole Hall of Center? If um if you find our tweets online, maybe let's um rank her movies. Tell us what your top is. All right, Izzy, it's time for us to hand it over to Betty. Take it away, Betty Davis. What a dump. So, Izzy, what's your dump for the week? 
Um, my dump for the week is something that happens quite often, um, which is Disney editing old works to fit the current, um, I don't know, worries, concerns, <laughs> genuine concerns about um, old content, I guess. So there's like, the, the there are so many examples of this, but um, the most current one is a lot or like 10 seconds of pelican brief i think were deleted on mm. their streaming service because i believe there's some sort of slur used oh obviously we don't like slurs <laughs> <laughs> yes obviously um but i do think it is shaky business to just kind of delete work without or edit work without um warning and just tampering with things rather than you know explaining just like why if you're seeing that that that's wrong you know mm -hmm. and all of that kind of stuff so I don't like that I think it's very bad I don't like editing old stuff even if it shows unsavory things because I think unsavory things are how we learn about things that are wrong yeah and and get and paint a more realistic picture of what the world was like. We can't just think everything was fine and dandy for in the seventies because it wasn't. Yeah, <laughs> nineties totally. or eighties or whenever. So there yeah. you go. That's how I feel. I agree with you, and I think TCM does a very good job of like you know when they play Gone with the Wind or whatever they will in the introduction to the film will sort of explain a little talk about these things that modern yeah. audiences might not find palatable they don't explain yeah. them they just talk about them but they don't cut yeah. anything yeah i don't yeah. like you shouldn't put your head in the sand and that's what disney likes doing yeah and has liked doing for it's the entirety of that company so i don't like it yeah boo disney <laughs> except so, in florida except against ronda sand <laughs> so, yes the one exception in this one case <laughs> So it's Tony's week in New York. So this episode will drop a couple of days after the Tonys. So by the time you're listening to this, you already know who won the Tonys. Um, we don't because we are talking to you from the past. But I want to dump on a show that everybody I know loves and I don't. And I think it's going to win a bunch of Tonys, including Best Actress in a Musical. And it might even win Best Musical. And I'm talking about Kimberly Akimbo, which, if you don't know, it's about a woman played by Victoria Clark, um, who is 16, but looks like she's almost 60 because of a rare genetic disorder and sort of her relationships with her friends in high school. Um, I didn't like this show at all. I thought it continues the tradition that sort of was started by Dear Evan Hansen, where all the songs sound the same musically. <laughs> Literally, I can't tell you one memorable song. And all the lyrics are an indistinguishable variation of my feelings, my feelings. Every character comes, <laughs> comes to center stage and just tell us exactly how they're feeling right that moment. I hate all of that. I did not like this show. I thought it was mediocre. And I also had a problem with the lead performance by Victoria Clark, who is this, an actor I love. I've seen her in her previous Tony winning performance in The Light of the Piazza, which was sublime. And she was so wonderful in that show. 
Um, but if she is now a two-time Tony winner, I'm going to say, Victoria, you played her like she was seven when she was 16. And I did not believe one word you of you in that show. Sorry. That's my dumb. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I haven't seen that yet, but I do love Victoria Clark. I think Light in the Piazza is my favorite musical, so. She's so wonderful in that. She's so wonderful yeah. in Light in the Piazza. I still play Dividing Days, her big song in oh that show. Oh my God, show. Fable. Fable like makes me cry all uh, the time. She's so, so, such a wonderful uh, musical theater, but I think this performance in Kimberly Akimbo is a miss. Um, yeah. So that's our show. Go uh, watch You Hurt My Feelings. Tell us what you think of Nicole Hall of Center, follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at I am a picture show. I am on Twitter at M E underscore says and on Instagram at Mortada underscore E. You can also find me on Letterboxd because while you can read my criticism at Variety and the AV Club, you know, go put if you want to read my unvarnished shorter thoughts, find me on Letterboxd. Um, with my name. And Izzy, where Fabulous. can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at BK Rewind and on Instagram at BK underscore Rewind. And of course, as always on YouTube, where I am slowly plodding along trying to get a new video out. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, it's coming. So subscribe. Yes. And be sure to leave us um a rating and everything else on wherever you listen to podcasts that helps people find us and we very much appreciate it. Yes. And until next time, thank you for